Welcome to The Light Pod, brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. I'm your host, Sam Corbel, and today we welcome Paul Boken to the podcast. Paul is a vice president at Mulvey and Banani Lighting, also known as MBL, and is based out of Toronto, Ontario. Paul's also the contributor to a new project called Sorcery, which you may or may not have heard of yet but we'll get into that a little bit later. Right now, we're sitting here to talk a little bit more about what's going on in the lighting industry as it relates to technology, specifically cloud computing. And this isn't that BIM 360 conversation that most people are having. It's a way of understanding how really the world has been modernized through cloud computing, through crowdsourcing, and how that may be making an entrance into the lighting industry before too long at all. Before we get into that though, I wanna welcome Paul to the podcast and let you get a chance to know him. Paul, welcome in. How's everything going? Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for traveling down from the Great White North. Mm -hmm. I know we've brought in you uh, some some more powder goods so you can catch a few- Yeah, I brought some snow with me, which was amazing. (laughs) Catch a few turns before you head head back to Canada. You and I have had a a few fun conversations just kind of about the future of the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, It goes without saying, technology is everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's all over the map. We use it in our phones, we use it in our cars, we use it in design. But the next step is really talking about how this starts to, I won't say think for us, but help us think faster or be more efficient. I know it's something you're super passionate about, but that's not what you've always been doing. You got your start the same way pretty much everybody else did, a a lover of light. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got your start in lighting. Thanks for that intro. You know, how I got my start in lighting. I think like most architectural lighting designers, I started in theater and live entertainment. Um, you know, we've actually talked a lot about technology and microphones and this and that. That's because I actually got my start in audio technology in live entertainment and theater. But, you know, it's really just technology. I love technology. And I think a lot of lighting designers have this kind of special mix of design and creativity and, and a passion for technology. You have to. Lighting is so technical. So I was thinking back, like, you know, how I got my start in lighting. Essentially, my high school theater, I was doing audio. We had an older audio system, and the school board updated the lighting system. You know, spent like $80,000 on new technology for our lighting system, which was huge back then. And we had this, like, cool strand lighting board that they put in that had computer monitors. And because my real passion is technology, guess what? I converted. I I was like, okay, buy audio. Uh, I'm going to move to lighting because the tech is all of a sudden cooler. But also I think it was just like, I was also always so creative as well. And, you know, really grew up being quite artistic. So I also just loved how the light had this ability to change the entire mood of the stage, you know. Mm -hmm. And I just, something about it, the mix of, of technology and design just got me into loving light. And I went to theater school. And after theater school ended, I thought, I'd been in the theater industry for maybe, at that point, 10 years, did a few more professional gigs, and then found a friend who was into architectural lighting. And I thought, this is crazy. There's something permanent about it, you know? Like, And again, technology, this is complicated. I tend to gravitate towards things that are more complicated. <laughs> I was like, this is way cooler than um, live entertainment. Um, and, and I also might have a chance of having a house and a mortgage <laughs> with if I move into architecture. So yeah, then I went from theater and just one day said, hey, called all my contracts that I had in theater and said, you know, I'll help you guys find a replacement, but I'm switching. You had a departure from theatrical lighting Mm -hmm. and architectural lighting was something that 
became an, an obvious career choice for you, not only because it seemed interesting, but mm-hmm. potentially had an opportunity to, as you put it, pay your bills, which I think is a is a whole nother conversation that people don't necessarily realize how fruitful a career in architectural lighting can be, mm-hmm. but it, it can actually be very rewarding and give you an opportunity to live quite nice, do what you need to do, support mm-hmm. your family, have some fun along the way Definitely. and everything else. What has your experience as an architectural lighting designer been like since you made that pivot? I mean, amazing. Like I, Right off the bat, I think I loved the fact that there was something also very like important and significant about it through lighting interior or exterior spaces, um, you know, in this permanent way, you're transforming architecture. You know, if we think about interior lighting for a moment, even back then, one of my favorite courses that I started taking some night school courses in architectural lighting in Toronto, there's a cool program up there at Ryerson. And when they got to lighting and health, I was like, whoa, like the quality of the interior lit environment can actually influence how people, how healthy a space is for people, how energy efficient it is for people. And I just thought this is so significant. This is such important work. So that also really hooked me was how it felt like theater live entertainment is entertainment, you know, and that's beautiful. That that has a big role in society. Obviously, it's very important. Um, and I think we all felt what we lost in the last couple of years. So we all feel how important it is. But I liked that and the design aspect, but I also just loved how architecture was so influential in how a city looks as a whole, how we experience public space, how healthy interior space is. It just was so significant. It really felt like it was important work that you could do in this space. So I just fell in love with it and I haven't looked back. And I've, you know, since then I started as kind of a lighting support person in an engineering firm, which is a pretty common in Canada, which I grew from a department to actually a separate subsidiary company within that engineering firm. And now we're up to 12 lighting designers plus, um, well, I guess you say 11, 11 of us, sorry, plus support staff, plus, you know, CAD accounting and all that. So it's quite a big firm now. We've been doing quite well for the last, you know, five years. It's been growing like crazy. Well, I want to congratulate you on that, you know, that career journey. It sounds like something that's been not only fun, but rewarding for you. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier that you were fascinated with light as it supports architecture. Architecture supports the built environment, and it's all a bigger and broader part of essentially construction, Mm -hmm. right? We have an idea, we design it, then we got to build it. And this all comes together. Supporting that with lighting from the standpoint of, when that conversation comes into design to how much budget is allocated for it, mm-hmm. it's all very minimal compared to the grand scheme of everything else. Yet it's one of the few things that when the whole project is complete, humans not only rely on, but can also interact with. Mm-hmm. It makes lighting super critical. It makes it a very valuable part of every design. Yet there's a constant struggle to have a community-focused nature that pushes it forward. Everybody seems to be fighting for whatever they can get on lighting and projects coast to coast today. The industry is gaining momentum, but at the same time, we need tools to become more efficient with our time, Mm -hmm. to continue to learn more, and to really accelerate the entire profession. We're gonna talk about what it means to use crowdsourced information. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, where the crowd comes from, how technology, specifically how cloud computing has done something to start to revolutionize just kind of the way we we operate as human beings. As I developed in the industry and as our team grew, I, I realized that the communication around light, how we communicate with our clients, how we coordinate lighting, 
and how we communicate with our supply chain was completely broken. And I, and I just, it was starting to like make us not love our jobs. Like the politics around packaging and products and pricing, lack of transparency was really starting to um, affect how much we enjoyed our, our, our work. And, and I found that we spent, we we're starting to spend as a team and, and it became more apparent as we kind of went into this remote working environment where you could monitor the communication a little more amongst the team because it was happening in say a, a you know a slack channel or a zoom channel and you could see the kind of questions that are coming up all the time what product works for this who does this i'm having issues with this on a project or you know so and so is complaining because they can't bid the job because they don't have this type and i need you know the, the communication wasn't about design it was all about procurement it was all about like how to how to get the light to sight right it was really and what light to use and i'm, I'm thinking it's got to be a better way so back to the cloud computing you know I, I took my passion for technology and and at that time when we had a little more time to think i think at least when we locked down really started to think about how do you change how an industry communicates how do you make it more efficient and i think if you look at some of the existing models out there in the in the cloud which are you know say social platforms content platforms there's this idea that if you if you build people a community really that empowers everyone to create and share uh, build an online community that empowers everyone to create and share you'll change how an industry communicates give me an example an example of of that would be i guess let's look at more mature markets that that have have already been disrupted from this from the standpoint of content sharing so let's look at music and video like you you no longer go to a, a musician's website to consume content you don't go to a movie producer's website to view their movies or even a, a website of like a, a a network you go to content platforms and I think, and even if you look at other things like YouTube, Spotify, which are also, con you know, these are all content platforms. And you look how people share information in this world of music and, and video. And you think that's really interesting. And it's so efficient. It's so empowering. It gives everyone the power to be a content creator. Even if you're just creating playlists on Spotify, sharing with your friends. You know, actually, I, I have a bunch of my friends. We're all music nuts. We make collaborative playlists on Spotify mm -hmm. on certain topics. And I'm thinking like, so we really started to think, how can we take this idea of just sharing content and these content platforms, show, social networks, some of these things which are, are in some cases social networks, actually there's a lot of uh, bad things about how, how, how those platforms work in some ways, but how can you take all the good stuff? Like take the poor part about empowering, sharing content um, and build something. So, so we started to really think about it. And like a few of us got together and started experimenting with this a little bit. Like what happens if a light fixture is like a song or a clip on YouTube? And what happens if you could share that information amongst an industry like you do on Spotify, Apple iTunes, on YouTube, whatever, right? Pinterest. When you, when you think about those platforms, right? Let's just, mm -hmm. let's talk about Spotify. Spotify, maybe Apple Music. They're synonymous. They're one and the same in terms yeah. of what they do. They aggregate everything into one place to make it easy for a user to have a, a premium experience. That's it. A premium experience to the point that people are willing to pay for it. And it's nice because it's a flat fee and you get access to literally everything. Yeah. Um, obviously, you're not using everything, but, you know, the people who created these platforms know that. You mentioned there's good and there's bad with all of this. Mm -hmm. um, it goes without saying, specifically the music industry, you know, they've kind of been throttled by... Yeah you know, these monopolies controlling what it's worth, but at the same time, they've provided better and, and further reach mm -hmm. to those artists, to those musicians. Furthermore, they've given everybody out there who maybe not be able to afford a million dollar tour, a hundred million dollar tour, 
an equal opportunity to be recognized. Mm -hmm. You know, it's leveling the playing field. And what it's doing is it's saying, just because you're rich and famous doesn't mean you get to control, so to speak, your space. Mm -hmm. Just because you have more money doesn't mean you get to control your space. It lets the user, it lets the reason all this is being created, right? That the experience of the user, the person say what's good. Mm -hmm. Algorithmically based, the top 50 isn't, you know, something that's bought off. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. literally how many times has this track been played in the last 24 hours compared to every other track on the platform? Yes. There's a reason it's a dynamic top 50 and it moves. Uh, I think on Spotify, they move it every 12 hours or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it, yeah. it, it's incredible. But what's cool is it, is it empowers human beings to get the information that I would argue is real uh, because humans aren't robots. We're emotional creatures and we're also creatures of habit. Mm -hmm. So we, we tend to gravitate towards certain things. Spotify, Apple Music are two examples. I, I've just got, you know, two questions and, and you brought it up earlier. The first question is, Paul, when was the last time you actually went to your favorite musician's <laughs> website <laughs> to, to download oh, their content? And the second question is, in the yeah. future, you know, are you going to treat lighting manufacturers like you're going to treat musicians? Yeah, you know what? Never. Like, well, only more recently to see what's actually on a musician's website that I follow, just to see. I mean, there's tour dates. There is information. There's usually educational information, so to speak. If you want to think of, like, you know, uh, um, informing people of, say, when the next concert is. Like, there's information there. There's media there. There's things you can download. So there's a purpose. It's it's kind of, it's almost like the website becomes like a, like a storage compartment for things, you know, that, and then the content platforms may redirect you there to download specific type of content. But largely, let's say the core content that they're monetizing is not on their website. Correct. Right. So there's something interesting about these content platforms. But if we move away from like the Spotify, and this will come together to talk about this other project, it'll all come together in a minute. But when you think about Spotify, Apple Music, there's also something about those that it, they're not necessarily a social platform in that the content that's on them isn't necessarily easy to post like you can't go and put your song up on spotify easily as just anyone right like i'm sure you put your content on spotify but you have to have a certain creator account there's a whole process to it right but then you start thinking about content platforms like youtube that's super accessible you sign up you can get on there you can put a video on that youtube channel and publish it and get it out to your people you know whoever you're trying to communicate immediately um, so when we think about content platforms that might transform how an industry like ours communicates, it also has to be very accessible like that, like just easily create a platform that someone can go on, post lighting fixtures, let's say, share it with their clients, whether it's an agent sharing it with their lighting designers in the market, or it's a manufacturer sharing it with their agents who share with their lighting designers, or a manufacturer sharing direct. I think a platform like this will remove all the friction in all that, and, and you'll start to see it evolve naturally. Right. Well, I think there's one critical piece that you you're missing there too. It's you're talking about the industry itself, but mm -hmm. let's talk about the periphery of the industry, the people we're interfacing with, right? Mm -hmm. Across the desks at AEC firms, the architects, yeah. the developers, the owners. I mean, yes. Obviously, people hire people in the lighting profession to do their job, which is to create a lighting design, to create an exquisite lumen environment, to steal a line out of. Uh, Dan Weissman at Lamb Partners. He, you know, mm -hmm. he he always says like, that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, like it's an exquisite environment and it lights up, and the lights what makes it feel the way it feels. People know that, like they're they're tuned into that. Owners 
have no real like ability to dive into the architectural lighting world right now no. because it's so convoluted. It's so complicated and there's pros and cons to that. Mm -hmm. But why not give them maybe a, a trusted tool by the own community that allows them to become closer to you to maybe respect you more, maybe yeah. to understand what you do more. Yeah, I argue things like this are going to actually be able to, so to speak, accelerate what's going on with our entire industry. I want to take a quick break. Mm -hmm. And when we come back, I want to dive into superpowers. Sound good? Yeah, definitely. Hey, it's Sam. Real quick, the Light Pod is brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. They bring you things like this podcast and short, fun, informative videos to not only learn, but celebrate about lighting. Check them out at lytei.com. And welcome back. Over the break, Paul and I were chatting just a little bit more about uh, the Industrial Revolution. You know, something that everyone listening to this podcast certainly was not around for. In late 1700s and into the 1800s, uh, manufacturing became a thing, right? There's the famous line of Henry Ford had asked his customers what they wanted. They would have said a faster horse. He built a car. We are in an Industrial Revolution here in 2022 that has nothing to do with physical things, rather digital tools and tech. Tech has its pros and its cons, but it arguably makes everything more efficient. Tech makes everything easier to operate. It also gives us an opportunity to value our time in ways that maybe we hadn't been able to before. Everybody wants to spend an equal amount of time at home, out of the office, in the office, doing things they love, doing things they're passionate about, working and not working. As humans, we need to regenerate every day. We need to take a break. One thing that's super interesting to me that I know uh, I've brought up with you once before, Paul, is uh, this industry, the architectural lighting industry, the access to information, the sales process and, and procurement. Uh, the reality is if the internet died, we could just turn our fax machines back on and start using it again. Seems a little antiquated. Yeah. And it seems to me like that tech revolution could start to maybe make sure the fax machine actually finally becomes irrelevant. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that and the, and the superpowers that are in our lap today. Yeah, that, that, I love that that thought. And so true, you know, that we the way we communicate is still in these separate silos that, that we, all, we sometimes link, you know, with an email, let's say. But an email could also be a fax machine, just a faster way. Email is a really bad technology. It's, <laughs> you ter know? it's yeah, terrible. It's a terrible technology. No, and everybody hates email. Yeah, everybody yeah. hates email. I love that everyone hates email. Me too. Um, because that means it'll hopefully people will be motivated to change their workflows to get rid of it. Uh, we actually have a Miro board at our that I keep with my team. That's how to uh, destroy, you know, how, how not to email or let's never use email again. And every time we develop a scenario where we think we need to communicate with each other via email, we put it in the Miro board and we find a way to stop doing it, right? Because we should never. I always say, like, if you want to have an internal communication over email, the only way is the only acceptable way is a resignation letter, I would say, <laughs> you know, because then there's a record of it. Yada, yada. Correct. But, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, the, ne the next industrial revolution is really centered around technology that creates uh, like workflows in industries that are 10 times more efficient and productive. And I think that platforms that really can take those communities, like we have a, an amazing lighting community and platforms that can leverage that community 
and, and can empower everyone to create and share structured information, I would say, not say unstructured, like, you know, social platforms like LinkedIn, you're largely sharing very unstructured kind of images, text. But if you can create those kind of communities and platforms that share structured information, like light fixture information, you can create these frictionless communication environments where everything is in one spot, all the communication around an, an element is in one spot, which will create workflows that are 10 times more efficient and more accurate. Just one moment on like this, this idea of this like digital twin, you know, like this idea if you can create, if the digital representation of a light fixture from the moment that you choose to use it right through to the moment that you get it to site is all managed in a singular platform, it creates this like digital signature of the fixture that has all the communication, the pricing information, it becomes so important. It's almost, it's as important as a physical downlight, say, that you put up in the ceiling in the end, that digital signature of it, it's connected to BIM, et cetera. And what may, what's cool about that is that it makes it so important that people don't mess with it. Like substituting it or changing it as an example, swapping it out for something cheaper or swapping it out for, for uh, something that makes you more money if in the case of uh, the supply chain, mm -hmm. usually um, increases profit margin. Is this preposterous is going into the building and stealing it, at, stealing the actual fixture out of the ceiling and swapping it because the digital imprint of it becomes so important. So if we think about, you know, just going back to this idea of, of uh, information, easily sharing information, creating a more transparent process is, is really at the core of, of, of how we're going to improve and, and revolutionize our industry. And that, that's that's really the project that I've been kind of like obsessing over and, well, and it's, passionate about. It's interesting, right? We'll talk about the fax machine for a second. Yeah. If you dissect our industry and you peel back the onion a few layers, you've got people who make things and people who build things. And in between the people who make things and build things, there's a lot of ideas in terms of how to use the things that are made to build something. There's a lot of process help and groups or entities that help supply the information needed to go from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. And they literally could use a fax machine to communicate all of that because yeah. it's human to human to human to human to human to human to human. Yeah. And we've got system to system to system. The systems aren't connected. Humans have to every, you connect know, the systems. There's an agency. They have a quoting tool. Mm -hmm. It's for them. There's an agency partnership to a manufacturer who supplies a PDF price list, mm -hmm. which, by the way, is a starting point and can always be negotiated on top mm -hmm. of it. There is a specification sheet that is maybe somewhere on a website that, you know, then goes directly to a lighting designer. Then somehow that all goes on another piece of paper called a fixture schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, that circulates to contractors, then comes back to agents that is then cross-referenced. I mean, I hope whoever is listening to this right now is starting to sketch on the napkin next to them mm -hmm. all the oh, craziness and the, and the spider <laughs> diagram that I've just, yeah. uh, you know, so very simply explained. Yeah. Because I think people would argue, well, what are you talking about? That all that all exists already. That singular platform. It's called the channel, and the mm -hmm. answer is no. Like the the channel is messy. The channel takes all this time and energy and information. And yes, channel. I know each one of you add value along the way, mm -hmm. but you are expensive. You are time intensive, and you also all you know while you diversify your risk. You know you create a lot of roadblocks along the way. Yeah, you're a lighting designer. I was an agent for 10 years where we could sit here and argue about why one hates the other, why one loves the other, depending on what's going on at what moment in time of the day, everybody supports each other. But at the end of the day, we all wanna work together in a more efficient way. We all wanna make more money and we all wanna save time. We can use technology to make that 
happen. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can streamline absolutely everything. Exactly. And I think, you know, I'm going to sit here and scratch my head for a second and I'm going to say, yeah, we can, Sam, but at the end of the day, uh, do people want that? I've got a stat, 23% of workers are just not in the office anymore. Yeah. A quarter of the workforce doesn't go to work anymore. They're wherever the heck they want to be in the world. Almost half of those who are working in the office are actually only in between one and four days a week. And 20% of the workforce essentially is left working in the office full time. Mm -hmm. So if we want to continue to operate in an industry that's historically based on people being in front of people, well, get your Rolodex out and make sure you write down everybody's home address now. And as a sales professional, instead of going to an office, you can go to nine people's homes. Now you may think that's fantastic and you're going to get that much more, you know, opportunity engagement. Well, you also need to work nine times harder. Wouldn't it be better instead of working nine times harder, there was a nine times efficiency of factor applied to everything. So that instead of seeing less people in more time, you could see more people in less time. And, and that's why, you know, whether we like it or not, we've got to embrace technology. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit more about that operational efficiency and why it's, I'm going to just say it's being forced on us. Yeah. Yeah, it is being forced on us. And, and the non-synchronous workflow is really what that is. Um, if you're not good at that, like like tools like email, you know, actually in-person meetings and things like that aren't, aren't really good tools for working non-synchronously, which is what happens when you have people in the office, people at home. So getting back to like a tool, but but there are some really cool tools out there. You know, we as, as a team, we were really well positioned, I would say, when we went into the pandemic. I don't have a short-term memory. I never have. So... Like even as a kid, they actually thought I couldn't hear because I was so bad at like, hey, Paul, do this. And then I, I wouldn't do it. And they'd be like, he must not have heard. It's because I, I can't remember things. So I, I was always using a tool, t- leveraging cloud computing tools very early. Like my, my team, we use a product called Asana for all our task management and project management. And we don't just use it. We use it. Everything is in there. So and we always we already had Zoom going before as well um, for keeping track of just like communication to try to not use email. But and that honestly inspired this concept and this kind of this cool little tech project that I was that we started brewing up, um, realizing that if we wanted to create this new environment to more efficiently share communication, create more efficient connections, the, the solution isn't just reforming the process. The solution needs a tool. And the, we don't have that tool in our industry right now. It, it was became clear. It's not just about changing how we work and trying to leverage the tools that exist. The fact is there is no tool. There is no tool that allows you to both have this kind of cool creative conversation about light fixtures and, and, and also allows you to connect with your specifiers if you're a manufacturer or an agent, show them the light fixtures that are available, show them the products that are available, having them to be able to, you know, engage with them that way. And then those people be able to collect that information, you know, think like Pinterest and Spotify, like we talked about. But then on the back end side of that, for this really to work, there has to be this whole other tool that's also leveraging the highest level of cloud computing technology, which is you know, sharing technical information like project schedules. We also have to take the project schedule out of Excel or Word and put it in the cloud and connect it to this Pinterest library, that this this social community that we're creating. Um, and that's where we kind of developed this technology. And, you know, we called it sorcery, which is we think is kind of a cool name. It's like sorcering, but it's magic. You know, there's a bit of a, a wordplay there, which is exactly that. It's leveraging everything we know about, say, what I would call 
content platforms and open content platforms, you know, like the YouTube more so than the, and Spotify or Pinterest, allowing people to easily just put content and share it with people. Like, and don't send an email. Like all we want, we want to replace email too, right? We don't want when an agent sends me a list or a manufacturer of all their new products in an email. I'm like, that is gone. I have no way of figuring out where to put that, sort it. So, so let me, let me yeah. get this straight. You've got, as a lighting designer, you've got a few things that you're trying to do. You're trying to optimize your ability to manage a project internally with your team. Yep. You're trying to generate a set of documents. Yep. You're trying to attach a value to all of that, which is the price of that design. And at the same time, you also want to continue to learn about what's new out there. Mm -hmm. These are, these are four things. I'll call them problems. Yeah. That you need solutions to. Exactly. And historically, there's a solution to each one of those problems individually. Yes. Whether it's a direct relationship with someone, whether it's time in your planner yeah. or your or your scheduling book. Yeah. To to figure all that stuff out. What's your biggest problem as a designer right now? I'm sure your your fees are going up three hundred percent right now, aren't they? <laughs> no. No. Your fees <laughs> yeah. are right where they're at and you're being yeah. asked to do more than to ever do before. More, yeah. Lighting is now a digital technology. Exactly. What you have it's to provide, complicated. what you have to provide in terms of your documentation mm -hmm. is also substantially more. Yeah. Yet your fees are maybe up 10% or yeah. 20%, yeah. not 300%, yeah. but the workload is there. So yeah. the answer is let's smash it all together. Let's talk about sorcery. I know, mm -hmm. you know, we, we've been hinting at it a little bit here and what's, what's beautiful about sorcery is this is a, a brainchild of the pandemic but it is built by a collective genius of people across every part of this channel, this problem or this solution that we're talking about. You all have lighting designers, you have reps and you have distributors involved mm -hmm. in saying, Hey, we all hate email and yeah. we all want to work more efficiently together. Break it down for me. What are you guys yeah. doing with sorcery today? Yeah. So we've, right, you're right. We've danced around it, but to put it all together, you know, we've been talking about the content platform, you know, that, that aspect of it. We've then talked about this ability to, you know, consume content, curate content into playlists, essentially, or collections and, and maintain collections with your agents of fixtures, but also maintain them internally. Like we have collections internally, and we were talking about this earlier, about mocking stuff up. And we'll have like a collection of cove lights and downlights that we've collaborated on our agents with to build. And it literally says in the description, if you have not used this or touched it or seen it installed, it does not belong in here. So it's given us the ability to create this organizational memory and, and in this create this like little internal community amongst our designers to collaborate over the fixtures we use and like share them amongst each other. No more of this, like asking the question in our, in our zoom channel, like, uh, have you seen this? I'm looking for a track head that's RGBW, you know, and it has like adjustable optics, you know, it's like, why do we ask the same question a hundred times? Let's record it. Let's put it in a collection, sh sh save it in a place. And then let's take those collections and what Sorcery does is allows you to take all that collected content, just like you think about your, when you open up Spotify and you see your playlists, your iTunes playlists and, and all that, and then literally import it into project schedules. So let's take the project schedule from Excel. Let's put it in the same platform and allow you to then build your product schedules from those curated libraries and from all that organizational memory or IP you develop over time. Like you put a downlight in you realize that downlight needs to have a certain optic and a certain trim type for it to look just beautiful and just right, right? Well, how do you record that? Now we keep track of that, put it in our libraries, so the next time we drag and drop and do schedule that information's there. So it's this crowdsourced library that we contribute to internally, but also 
our agents help us. They can add pricing to that for us. We can invite them into collections. So take this, you know, you, you have this, does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, like I no, want to stop myself because I mean, I'll it, get it, on a rant. And, it, it makes perfect sense, yeah. right? You're working as a designer all the time to figure out all these things. Mm -hmm. And then you create all this cardinal knowledge and you want to use it on your future projects. Yeah. So the platform is designed around that, but then you're plugging everybody else into it so that that's they it. can continue to be in front of you in yeah. a place that's convenient for you that optimizes your workflow yeah. to give you all that other information that you would normally send an email or, mm -hmm. or a fax yeah. right back in the day to get that information on. It's all centralized. Yeah, the, the, cool, the, the coolest part is, I mean, I know you're in, you're in Toronto, mm -hmm. you're working on a variety of project styles. Some things are more specific to the culture and the environment you're in, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, you know, the same principles of lighting, uh, an environment, whether it's interior and exterior with layers of light applies broadly to mm -hmm. anybody who practices lighting design worldwide. Mm -hmm. And there's no reason your cardinal knowledge can't be shared with somebody else. Right. Yes. I mean, the, the, it just compounds and compounds and compounds. I mean, Paul, go listen to my favorite top rock and roll hits, mm -hmm. right? You don't know who Sam Corbell is, but you found my playlist and you listened to it and you liked it. So then you followed other things because you figured we might have, you know, a, a common interest. Yeah. That can all be done with lighting as well. Yeah. It allows everybody to share more information. And to a very um, strong degree, it creates a significant amount of transparency. Yeah. Because it lets the community, the people that are using this vouch for it. Not just one person walking in the door saying, Hey, this is the best thing since sliced bread. And you want to <laughs> check this out? And unfortunately that person on the other side of the table is a salesperson. Great person, yeah. by the way, totally loves what they're talking about. Yeah. Super into it, but you can't help, but remember eat what you kill when you're in that role. And they're going to do absolutely everything in the world to tell you why, what they've got is great. That's tough. It is. It, it's, and it's a challenge that this industry just continues to absolutely battle with. Mm -hmm. And the pricing part of it is the biggest part of it. You know, mm -hmm. why can't I just get a price? Yeah. And you know, how come there's 19 games played behind my back? Like, well, hey, here's a, here's a way for us to teach you about stuff. So maybe people can normalize their markups or whatever else it is they're doing. Here's, that, an, oppor here's an opportunity to say, and this is what it costs. Mm -hmm. and invite everybody to collaborate on that, to see that on the front end. Exactly. And the answer is, hey, you know, make your profit, do your competitive analysis and, and do what you do with your with your business, but don't screw with the stuff you're buying. Mm -hmm. We put it there for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's fair, live with it. Yeah, and it, what a significant centralized platform lets you do is manage that process. And when, it, you know, you can go into the magic of how will this fix pricing? How will this fix packaging, right? How will this fix this and that and that? And you could get into how it does. But but, but what, what it does is it collect, connects everyone. It creates a more efficient managed process, allows us to share information more fluidly. And what will happen naturally is first off, a managed process. Um, you know, I think the lighting package will become more sacred harder to mess with when it's in a platform like this. And when it's in a platform like this, like we use the same technology. We talked a lot about Spotify, YouTube, et cetera, but the actual sharing technology we're using is same as Google Docs. Like it uses, leverages the most kind of advanced sharing platforms, allowing you to create both private collections and private content, let's say, both project schedules and collections of fixtures and share it to your client directly 
it control exactly what they see. Maybe they don't need to see the budget information right away. Maybe they, you can hide this fixture type. So it uses all those technologies and all these different roles. We have like four different roles in the platform, you know, viewers, collaborators, editors, creators. And every project, every piece of content you create, you can assign, share and assign those people different roles. They see different information. And that's all just leveraging technology that's already out there. It's like you're, we're standing on the shoulders of giants in a way, like Amazon, AWS platforms, like cloud platforms, Google Cloud platforms. Um, you know, they've paved the way for, for people like us, lighting designers and people who just have a bit of uh, passion and want to solve a problem to actually build platforms like this. Yeah, like it's, it's like it's democratized software. Like we can go out there and actually build like, so we can create something that's made by us, not something that's made by a software company and shove down our throats like Autodesk or something like that or BIM, you know, the way that works isn't really intuitive. We've had to change our workflows to match what Autodesk wanted us to do. But now with this new, the new world we live in, we can actually build something that's really meaningful for, for us. That's what we're doing. I'm not going to say try to do because it's built and it's done and it's, it's working well. But and, and I also like what happens naturally on those projects that we manage through sorcery, say start to finish, collecting the products, uh, collaborating with our agents, putting them into our schedule, sharing our schedules with our agents, letting them all see different things like sharing the product schedule with our clients, with our interior designers. Um, it's improved the digital experience that people have when they interact with us. Mm -hmm. 10 times. So it's all about as a lighting designer, we also want to improve our digital experience with our clients, right? They should be able to see the light fixtures that we're specifying in two clicks anywhere in the world from any device. And they should be able to comment on that. No, I don't like that. No, it should be black. The trim should be black, not white, right? Easily. Right. Just just forget like trying to figure out where's the PDF they sent me a month ago. Is this the most current? I guarantee you it's not the most current. <laughs> if it's a PDF that you found, you know, in your inbox, that's more than a week old, something's changed. So how do you create this single source of information that are even our clients love it? You know, they're like they always know what we're up to. And then, then the interior designers can go in and see our architects can go in and see the price of the package. Like it's constantly evolving. They can monitor things like that. And then on the back end, it can connect to BIM 360 and actually pull data from our construction cloud software programs, like quantities and things. So it's like our experience, the, the client's experience with us is also 10 times better than it ever has been because of a platform like this, because of what we're doing with Sorcery. So it's just this really magical process. And it's all about trying to make our job fun again. Honestly, like that's what it was. Let's make a managed process that allows us to work from wherever we want to is more transparent so we can just like instead of spending 75% coordinating the package or 70% and 30% in design let's spend 70% on the design and the collaboration and only 30% managing the supply chain that's my that's a dream I guess I, I love what you said it's about having fun it's a, yeah it's about getting back to doing frankly what every person wants to do in yeah. this industry so much of everyone's time is spent on the bullshit yeah. of coordinating you know, people say we spend 15% of our time designing and the rest of it coordinating it. Yeah. And it's I know, just I'm being generous with 30. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's not that it's, much. listen, I know everything's custom, but it's stupid. Like yeah. we're an industry that hasn't evolved for 1 million reasons. What works still works, but everybody knows there is an opportunity to have a better solution out there. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. Technology has gotten to a place where it's basically user-friendly to take basic tech and customize it into any industry today. We're yeah. seeing this across 
the the construction industry right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're seeing it in trades outside of lighting. Yeah, you're seeing it at a global design level. You're also seeing it within the lighting industry itself. Sorcery is one piece of software that's been developed. You're seeing agents go out and develop their own proprietary platforms to help people, you know, be better connected to the information that literally they fax or email to get information on. You see uh, collective search engines like Light Z. You see um, massive conglomerations in, in companies trying to actually put more information on their website, right? You mm-hmm. also see the manufacturing process going more digital. Like you don't have to pick your specific color temperature of a lamp or even a diode anymore. It just has it all built into it and you program it when you get on site. I mean, listen, folks, technology's here. It's going to change everything yeah. and we all need to adapt. Uh, Paul, I, I really want to thank you so much for not only sharing your journey uh, into where you are as a professional today and your desire to seek out change and not do it in a silo, but do it in a community-focused forum, but also share that with me and with everybody else that gets has, has gotten the chance to listen to this. If anybody wants to chat with you more, if they have questions, they want to see what the heck this sorcery thing is you're talking about what's the best way to get in touch with you yeah i mean linkedin's always really good you know you can search paul boken on linkedin or you know my yeah get reach out on email as well if you want you know p yeah yeah. except you don't use email i don't really yeah what am i saying don't email (laughs) get me on linkedin you know what i mean then all that all that all that reach all that communication could be in one spot for me yeah exactly true Um, story paul and i met on LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. LinkedIn's a great platform. So um, yeah, that's a, that's a really great way. And just one kind of closing thought is that I think if, if there is a, you know, the construction industry is evolving, the technology is evolving. Like, like I think the lighting industry has like a really magical community about it. I've never seen anything like it. You talked about some of the podcasts, actually a couple podcasts ago, you, you talked about the IOD conference that was in Cancun. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the first ones I went to. And I was like, this is insane. This is the best community I've ever met. So I the think, lighting community, yeah, we have the coolest freaking people. We do. We it's really so, do. So we're the people to do this change. We'll change the construction industry and how it communicates lighting industry out. Correct. I think we can do that. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows the power light. Yeah. What do you do when you walk into a dark room? Turn the light on. You turn the light on. Paul, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> Good luck right. with everything. Yeah. Enjoy the turns. Crush it. I will. Fail. Can't wait. I'll come visit you in Canada next time. Please. When it's You're not negative welcome. 20 degrees. Yeah. It's about time, I should say. <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> one right. last, one last about. That's one it. last day. Hey, hey, it's good. It's talk. about time, eh? <laughs> <laughs> just, it does roll. It just rolls. It just rolls together. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's, not I, a, it's I think, a real thing. I think it's everybody, thing. everybody envies the 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 epic Canadian accent. <laughs> I love it from too, your yeah. good friends in the United States of America. Cheers. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Paul. Thanks again for listening to this episode of The Light Pod. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and click that like, follow, or subscribe button. That's the best way to never miss another episode where we talk to people about all things lighting who have inspirational and thought-provoking conversations to share. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.